Have you ever watched your favorite gymnasts on TV and wondered, I wonder what they're like outside of the gym? Well, you have come to the right place. Welcome to What Makes You Think. I'm your host, Nicole Langevin, and my guest today is a current U.S. national team member, Pan Am champion, NCAA champion, USA Gymnastics Male Athlete of the Year, a Nissan Emery Award winner, a U.S. national champion, a 2017 everything champion, American Cup champion of champions because he just couldn't not win it, an Olympian and someone who I've wanted to have on the show since day one. I am so excited to bring to you what makes Yule Moldauer think. All right, Yule Moldauer, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's so funny that you keep thanking me for having you because as I told you in our first exchange, you've been on my dream guest list like since this started. So for you to say thank you is pretty crazy, but you're very welcome. Thank you. Oh, of course, I appreciate it. And uh, every time I listen to me, my dad actually listens to it. It's exciting. I'm ready to get this going. Oh, that's awesome to hear. Cool. Yeah. Well, hi, Dad. <laughs> One of the things that kind of became very evident as far as like, what's the why as far as doing this was starting to have conversations with the the guys that I would have on. And the first couple were Justin and Blaine and the conversation about men's gymnastics and how do we save it and all of those things that we can unravel probably in an entire podcast series if we wanted to. But just really realizing how, how much was out there and how much passion was out there made mm -hmm. me want to try to get as many guys in as I possibly could. Sam McCulloch was one of the first ones that was a current athlete at the time. So to have you here, while you've got such a, a great past in the sport, an amazing present, and I think a very exciting future, like I'm really, really looking forward to how we can have that conversation at some point in the next hour or so. Oh yeah, no, I'm excited, so thank you. So I was looking back on the initial text that I sent you. So just to let people know, because a lot of times people are curious on where these guests are coming from. This referral was from Teresa Kulikowski, who was another guest of the show. So you, you responded to her reaching out to be on the show. And then I looked at the text that I sent you and I was like, he must think I'm a freaking lunatic. Because I write to you, Yule, with 10 exclamation points, like we're long lost friends that have been dying to find each other, which, you know, maybe for me, it's true, but not for you. And then I'm like, guess where I am right now? Your favorite gym and has lots of windows and it's country pays the winners. <laughs> oh, I remember that. Yeah, no, I, I responded. All the Switzerland gymnasts, whether they're male or female, they're just so welcoming. And uh, I've been there twice now. And every time I go, it's just the friendship and the relationships is you know, just keep stacking up. So everyone there is so welcoming and so nice. And it's it's a really good time when you go to Switzerland. Yeah, it's a different world for sure. But I jumped in there like, you know, we've we've already got a relationship. And then like, so number one, apparently I started the interview in the text. Number one, where am I? Number two, text me on WhatsApp. Number three, like, I'm sorry oh. if I sounded like a lunatic, but again, you're here. It's great. <laughs> So as far as warm up, I mean, it, clearly I'm just pretending we're old friends. So we're relatively warmed up. But I do have one quote that I want to share with you that somebody provided to me. And first, I want to know if you know who said it, but I want to hear what it makes you think of from this time in your life. So the short but sweet quote is, he's the best recruit we ever lost. Dang, I don't know who that is, but. Well, it's not Oklahoma. That's kind of like, that's like really deep. You know, yeah, uh, right? it's it's almost like hard to explain what that feels like. It, who was it? Illinois? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, a lot of people thought I was going to go to Illinois because my grandmother lives there. My s older sister was taking her master's at Illinois at the time. My dad graduated from Illinois. So everyone, everyone was really rooting for me to go to Illinois. But, uh, you know, I love the team there but when I took a trip to Oklahoma man like that that just like felt like home and I it felt like that's where I needed to be and when I signed with yeah. them I I think a lot of people were actually shocked that I went to Oklahoma really and I got another quote here that uh I think one of us said the more I make it a show the better it'll be does that sound familiar yeah so I heard that uh over a broadcast from Tim Daggett and I thought sometimes Tim takes some liberties so yeah. I just wanted to make sure that that was your quote. And I did want to hear a little bit about what inspired you to kind of use that as your thing. 
Yeah, I mean, um, you know, my kind of view on gymnastics is when we're in the gym, you know, six to seven hours a day and training every single day, you know, one day off, which is Christmas, you know, at my gym, for example, when you get to the meets and competitions, you know, no one there is, you know, rooting for you to do bad or poorly at all. You know, the gymnastics community is so supportive with all the fans because whoever goes there, they just want to see good gymnastics. So my mindset is instead of going into a competition and putting so much extra pressure on yourself, pressure that you can't even control, um, you have to think of it almost as like a TV show with six episodes, um, you know, floors, the first episode, pommels, the second and so on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have to come to realization when you're there that, again, the judges are just doing their job. The fans just want to see gymnastics. So it's really up to you to find your rhythm and groove to put on a performance instead of making it a competition between your mindset, between the other competitors. At the end of the day, when you can compete freely and, you know, maybe you don't have a lot of pressure on yourself, that's when you really see a gymnast really shine and come out. And, you know, I, it's kind of my concept is like when you're here in these moments, like this, this is the moment you've been training for. This is the moment as a little kid, these are the things you saw on the TV and wanted to be in the position to be in. So you have to be grateful to be in it and you have to just, you know, say, forget everything else and just do your own gymnastics, do your style, compete how you compete. And that's kind of like why I said, you know, the more I put on a show and interact with the crowd, you know, calm the nerves down, that's when you really come out and you see gymnasts competing so happily on the floor and smiling and, and having fun. And, I think that kind of mindset will just help, you know, every gymnast compete better and better. So that's why I spoke about that to let gymnasts know that, you know, at the end of the day, this is your show. People are here to come and watch you. So even if it's the Olympic Games to just a club meet, you know, just put on a show and have fun with it. There's so much to that because right there you've targeted, how do we get the younger guys super excited about being a part of this? And watching the show, watching the big show, they're not watching the numbers. And let's yeah. face it, those those little ones, they're getting, you know, participation ribbons all the way up into those first uh, competitive levels. So a 14 point, whatever, they just, they want to see the show. So I think that's awesome and a great way to just kind of build the sport from the ground up. Also for the audience too, like, yeah, same thing. Put on that show. And for you as a competitor who's doing, like you said, six, seven hours in the gym every single day, you're guaranteeing yourself some sort of gratification from the meet, regardless of how you do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, the more gymnasts interact with the crowd, you know, crowds will become bigger. You know, I think about trials from this past quad, man, that was a huge meet. We had like, I think they had record attendance. It was loud. You know, everybody after a good landing or a good routine was getting excited. And it literally felt like a show. Like I remember day two after the fourth event, I was like, man, everyone here is nailing their sets and having fun. And the crowd's having fun, I think. So, I mean, the more meets that we can make it feel like that, I think the more our sport will grow because people want to come see something exciting, something they feel like they're involved in. Yeah. So that brings me to another question then. Is this a conversation you have with the other guys? Like, do you feel like this is a shared mentality? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, if you meet me personally, I, I feel like I try and give any sense to anyone that asks or what I'm feeling. You know, I try and speak up in the national team meetings about how I feel or how I approach things. Um, you know, here's a topic. We were talking about the equipment at Worlds. And everyone's like, oh, maybe we should go there earlier and get adjusted to the equipment, or maybe we should make changes in this. And I was like, well, guys, at the end of the day, you know, we're gymnasts. And the moment we, you know, put our love and sacrifice into this sport, we should know that we're in a position as a gymnast when it comes to different types of competitions with different equipment, that it's really up to us to adjust and it's up to us to really feel out the equipment and get comfortable with it that's just something a gymnast should have i always tell everyone no matter the pummels whether it's a skinny one or wide one or plastic handles 
at the end of the day, you should just be so confident in yourself that you'll be able to go out and hit a routine no matter what kind of equipment. You know, I, I give an example, high bar tensioners. I don't think a lot of gymnasts could do high bar without the high bar tensioners uh, now because we're so reliant on a number thinking, you know, this is where what I train at. This is what I'm used to. I need the tensioners so I can, you know, have the right timing for my releases. But if you look back, 20 years ago, high bar tensioners weren't even a thing. It was up to the gymnast to take a turn, adjust to the bar or, you know, loosen it or tighten it and then take another turn and really feel the equipment. So that's kind of like another mindset I've, I, I try and share is, you know, no matter the position you're in, the equipment or the competition, you should have the confidence to go out there and hit a set. Now, when you say it out loud, how is that received? People understand it. You know, I mean, some people go, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a good mindset to have, but there's this and this, but it's kind of like everyone understands what I'm trying to say is, you know, I mean, I think you look at every single world, the vault slippery. I mean, it's a brand new equipment. Um, it's new adjustments, but that's just something that we as gymnasts have to do. You know, I don't think they're going to go and get used equipment. Can you imagine how many complaints we'd have if the equipment was used and not newer, I think that would be more of a complaint than having to just work in the new equipment. Mm -hmm. But I know it's kind of like a hard stern mindset. It is. Like, it is. I understand what you're saying. I'm not saying, you know, it has to be like that every time, but I'm just saying the more you think like that and not let external factors, you know, determine how you're going to go out there and perform, that just puts less pressure on yourself. You know, no matter whether AI, Spieth, Gymnova, you know, Seno, we're out there to perform. And that's what you should be thinking about. Not is the equipment okay. You should just trust that it's good. Unless you're in Montreal in 2017. 2023 is an exciting year for Tumble Track as they celebrate their 35th anniversary. Maybe you remember your first time jumping or tumbling down a tumble track and that thrilling feeling of bouncing flighty fun. Anniversaries take us on a trip down memory lane and we remember our history and how far we've come. From tumble tracks and T-trainers to sliders and sticky toes, tumble track has been there, helping coaches and athletes achieve their goals in a safe way. You might have seen recently that tumble track launched a new feature called the Innovator Spotlight. Go to their website where they highlight the creative coaches they've collaborated with over the years. Doug Davis is both the OG innovator and founder of the company. And in case you didn't know, he innovated the tumble track. Doug paved the way for others, including Leonard Isaacs, Al Fong, Tom Forrester, and many, many others who had an idea and trusted tumble track with it. Check out the Innovator Spotlight page on their website, tumbletrack.com slash innovator dash spotlight. Again, that's tumbletrack, T-U-M-B-L-T-R-A-K, dot com slash innovator dash spotlight we're out there to perform and that's what you should be thinking about not is the equipment okay you should just trust that it's good unless you're in montreal in 2017 and no even <laughs> even then like that was my first time mm -hmm. uh, on Genova and I, the lighting was different to me. I've never been in a huge arena with the lights off and then one light on the event. So for me, I, to be honest, I didn't do a vault until podium because my timing was so Mark was like, Hey, don't stress over it. Come back to your timers, get used to your timer and then let's hit it on podium. And that's what I did. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like that's when I learned. It's like, no matter the equipment, maybe take a step back you know, go and feel out the equipment. And then at the end of the day, you just have to tell yourself, let's go, let's send it. It sounds like there's a recurring theme here though of taking the stress away. Just yeah. chilling out a little bit. Now, I want to go back to what you were saying about Olympic trials and that feeling and that excitement and how well everybody was doing. And it's kind of a known thing that the U.S. men tend to rock Olympic trials. I mean... Every trials, I'm like, this is their year. And I'm wondering how much that excitement and that feeling in the arena and all of those external factors affect the emotional state of the athletes that then affect their physical performance. Now, when you go to the Olympics, how different is that feeling in the arena? Do you think that has anything to do with it? Uh, I mean, 
it's it's so different for every gymnast. It's hard to say, but for me, I love big crowds. Like as soon as I see a big crowd, I'm like, oh, it's gonna be a good day. Like this is like the time to go out there and show off what you got. Like for me, I love when I see a packed arena. So I mean, at trials, I just remember from day one to day two. I was just like, I felt so prepared and I was so ready to finally go out there and try and make a team and make a dream of mine that I've had since I was a kid. So that was just on me. Like the mindset I had was, this is it. This is where you become a professional athlete or just an athlete. The professionals rise on times like this. Mm -hmm. And so it was stressful. I'm not going to lie. Like it was very stressful, but I knew that it was going to be. I mean, I'm trying to make the Olympic team and have an opportunity right in front of you. So you got to go out there and grab it. But the at the Olympics, that was way different. Um, I mean, it was an empty crowd. So you didn't have that. For me, I didn't have that extra boost of energy. But I just remember walking in day one. And the first thing you see is the Olympic ring symbol. Like as soon as... I walked through that tunnel. I looked at it and I was like, wow, like we are here. Like this is it. And I remember team finals. I knew I was going first. And I'll always remember this quote that Mark told me in uh, 2018 Worlds. Um, we started on horse. I was up first again. And he, he literally told me, he's like, hey, I want you to know like the meat is in your hands right now you need to start the team off or they're going to get worried and they're already going to lose a little bit of hope. So you have to be that person that sets the tone. And he wasn't a little stressful. So no, that's the thing. It wasn't Mark and I have a really good relationship where he can just be honest to me like that. And I'm not going to take it negatively. I'm not going to add more stress on to myself because he knows when I hear things, it kind of gets me more motivated. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I really want my team to do well today. So I was like, you know what? This is for them. And for me, competing on a team is way easier than competing individual. I I mean, I think I look back at my track record for team competitions at Worlds and the Olympics, and I haven't missed a set. But individually, I've missed a set. And it's just, even the mindset of being on a team and individual is so different. That's a way different conversation. But yeah. I mean, at the Olympics, I remember, again, I was starting on horse. And before I went to bed, I was thinking about my palm horse routine, skill by skill. And, you know, what's crazy is I fell asleep really quick. I had a good night rest. But as soon as my alarm clock went off, I was like, I'm starting myself on horse. And all day, I did three skills at a time in my head. I went scissor, scissor, flare, spindle, 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 travel, travel, dismount. And I would just... I would just visualize and feel it in my hands because I, I I know that as a gymnast, once you get through your hard stuff, sometimes you slip on a travel. And I was like, I don't want anything to go bad right now. And mm -hmm. I remember walking up about to go for team finals. And I remember I just like closed my eyes. I did my breathing technique and I said, let's go. And it was probably the most nerve-wracking Palmer routine I've ever done in my entire life. Imagine. It was like... I think about it all the time in the gym. I'm like, I need to be prepared like that again. Yeah. And for me, it's fun though, because gymnastics at one point, and this is kind of my concept, gymnastics at one point, we all kind of get to these difficulty scores that kind of range in the same area. You know, let's say you have a 95 total in the all around. Someone might have a 95.1, some might have a 94.8, but at the end of the day, it's kind of similar for the top, you know, podium contenders. Yeah. And then it really becomes a mental game. And I like mental games because at OU, we practice this all the time. It's who's ever the mentally toughest and who can handle that. We're athletes and we have to be ready to be put in situations that are going to be scary. You're going to mm -hmm. feel uncertain. But at the end of the day, the true athlete always comes out and performs. And I think that kind of battle is a really cool concept in gymnastics. I mean, I think if you ever want to go into coaching, it's probably going to go really well. <laughs> so I, you know, I'm coaching a little bit now. Are you? Uh, 
club gym I'm at, you know, I, I always try and coach the little kids from level fours to level tens. And my favorite thing is ever since I've been back at 5280, we've had a solid group of guys that are graduating that year. And so what my coaches like to do is they give them to me for conditioning. Uh, they rotate with me on events, stretching, you know, all the things. And I really try and share my knowledge of what I went through in college to help them prepare. And it's always really nice when a guy goes to college and the head coach will text me saying, Hey, you know, this person talked to me about what you did for them. We just want to say, we appreciate you preparing them. And I was like, dude, that's not me. That's, that's them doing the work. You know, I'm just there to help and mentor. So for me, it's, it's actually really rewarding to see these kids go out to, you know, the big schools and perform well, you know, Taylor was my training partner all through the Tokyo journey and look at him now. He's killing it at Stanford. We have Asher Cohen going to Nebraska, Kelton Christensen at OU. And we've got some more recruits now going to Michigan and William and Mary. So I'm just excited to see what they do because I really hope they bring what they learned at our gym into their program and maybe their program can learn some things too. Awesome. So one of the things I've heard and just, just talking to a few people in the mag world is when I brought your name up was he's really kind to the junior elites. He's really great with the younger guys. I keep hearing that. And now clearly that is true because of, you know, what you're saying now, I know these are guys that are going to college, but that mentoring aspect is huge. And to already have the ability to mentor as you're still currently in it must mm -hmm. up your game tremendously. The other thing <laughs> that I kept hearing was your style. Do you have visions of using your style and your showmanship to help the actual sport grow, perhaps after you're even done? Yeah. I mean, all the time. You know, style is like one of the main concepts in gymnastics is everyone does giants or releases or you know at the end of the day we're all doing the same skills so i try and tell people you know you can have a favorite gymnast but i want you to figure out what kind of gymnast you are and style is one of those things is if you have a unique style and something different people will be more drawn to watch it and i think if you can really show who you are in your gymnastics and in your style um, people will grow and follow you more than if you're just a really good gymnast. You know, I, I know that there's all these things you can be doing like clinics and stuff. So for me, I always try and when I have the time, go to any clinic or um, go to the Gym Act um, college program that's here in Lafayette Extreme to help those guys. And for me, I think what I would do with my own style is not really – make anything maybe or create something, but just to share my knowledge of what I view gymnastics as and how I can help, you know, a guy that feel like he can do it to actually do it. So for me, I feel like I'm stepping in more of a mentor role in my own style to help this younger generation keep loving what they're doing and show off who they are as a gymnast. Um, I think an example, he's from Australia. You know how he does the... the oh, he's, yeah. oh, yeah. So fun to watch. I know that he was upset when uh, his leap jump didn't get put in the code of points. Mm -hmm. Me, I was like, man, that, that does suck. But I don't want him to feel discouraged by not doing it anymore because it's not valued anything. I, I generally think that he should keep doing it because no other gymnasts are. And but it brings a certain level of style. And if it's not in the code of points, you can't, it's not susceptible to the same deductions as a skill in the code of points. So now it's just your choreography. That sidebar, though, is that there's really no deductions in his leaps. They're beautiful. But yeah, I mean, I always wonder, I'm like, is there anyone out there that's like, oh, phew, I didn't want to have to start doing leaps. But I love that, that attitude of like, yeah, keep doing it because somebody else is going to do something else. Maybe not a leap or a, maybe it's a turn. Maybe it's a Maybe you start doing front area. Who knows? It doesn't have yeah. to be stuff pulled from the women's either. That's just what's flying in my mind because that's the world that I'm in. But yeah, <laughs> if, imagine if everybody submitted something to the code of points along those lines just to switch things up. I wonder if there'd be pressure eventually to start going, okay, we got it. Yeah. We got to allow for this. It's, it's a good thing to do. And uh, the code of points, you know, the officials, 
you know, it's, it's hard to make them all agree. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you just have to tell yourself, you know, forget about them. I'm going to do my gymnastics. Mm -hmm. So speaking of your gymnastics, if you had to define you as a gymnast, as far as strictly the performance of the routines, how would you describe your Moldauer? Oh man, I, I don't like talking about myself. Uh, you know, for me, I always try and just make everything look really clean and I want everything to look easy. Um, I want, well, I, I want to bring the art to the sport. That's kind of how I try to find myself is you might not be doing the hardest routines, but I definitely want to try and look the best while doing it. So I have some words that I wrote down to describe you as a gymnast. <laughs> I have impeccable form, extra amplitude, Thank you. simplicity, and six. Thank you. Yeah, I, I try and keep up. You know, I think the more people say stuff, you know, I'm like, oh, I got to write that down and make sure I keep working it so people don't lose belief in me. But no, that's really nice. Thank you. Oh, it's true. So I was looking a little bit on your backstory, and I know you already said that you trained at, or still train at 5280, trained there. Yep. You went to Oklahoma and graduated. But prior to that, you were born in Seoul, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So I was adopted from Seoul, South Korea, uh, me and my brother, actually. And oh. we grew up on a farm in Fort Collins. And gymnastics kind of just took us to the point where we had to move to Denver for 5280 because it was really the only high level gym that, you know, family trusted at the time. Mm -hmm. So we, my dad bought a second house in Denver and, you know, all my siblings and I lived here with my mom or dad at different times mm -hmm. and I would go to 80. And when did that start? How old were you? Uh, I think I was about like nine or 10. Yeah. Looking back, I mean, do you think that you kind of were excelling through pretty quickly at a young age or did that not happen until a little later? Um, see, that's really hard to say because I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I will say when I was like in preschool, like really little, I went to a gym because I was with a friend at a time and my parents couldn't pick me up. So they took me to gym class and the coach said I could just do a free tryout until my mom got to the gym and could pick me up. And then the coach came up to my parents and was like, Hey, you know, we think he should stay. He could probably compete in a couple of years. And then after like a couple months, they're like, yeah, no, he's going to compete this year. So that's kind of what started my gymnastics career. And I, would, I wasn't the best compulsory ever, you know, and like level four, five, six, I was just in the sport. It wasn't until like my second year of level seven is when I started actually being on the podium competitively with other gymnasts. And and then that's kind of what excelled me to become better. You know, at the time at 5280, Sasha or Alexander Artemev, mm -hmm. the pump god, you know, he was going to worlds in the Olympic games and that's what I wanted to do. And ever since then, you know, my coach was like, this is what you got to do. If you want to make the national team, if you want to go to championships, if you want to go to worlds, if you want to go to the Olympics. And so that's kind of just what jumped my career is when I really moved to 5280. So I was kind of like a late bloomer. I mean, I will say at times during high school, there are times where I wanted to quit. Yeah. You know, I think that's a concept that a lot of parents miss out on from communicating with their kids. A lot of kids at some point of their career will want to quit. It's like, there are many times where I was like, man, I, I don't know if I love this sport anymore, but I just kept going and I kept pushing and I'm glad I did it. But I think, you know, when you have a goal, and have dreams nothing is going to be easy and you have to really accept that and understand that part of the journey to your goal it's going to break you down and there are going to be times where you want to quit and there are going to be times where you don't believe in yourself anymore and i think you have to be okay with that you just have to take a step back and understand what is making you think this way instead of jumping to a conclusion and actually quitting how much of those feelings in high school, if any, had anything to do with your peers? Because you're doing a sport that's not the run-of-the-mill sport that people understand. They don't understand it technically, and they typically don't have even a, the smallest grasp 
of what the training entails because those more streamlined sports especially in high school are going i don't know two hours a day in season and then like they're getting all the the letters and the leaving school early and the accolades so like i will say my parents and family the most supportive family that you could ever have never said one thing that i had to do for the sport they just said they were going to sit back and support whatever i do and that they love me no matter what so that was already really nice coaches I love my coaches no matter what, even if they're hard on me, because at the end of the day, they're hard on you because they're trying to get the full potential out of you and they love you and they really do care for you. And all they're trying to do is to get you better. And in high school, you know, non-gymnast people, of course, there was some bullying calling me names because I did a certain sport, but in my head, I never let that get to me because I knew that my sport that I was participating in was famous worldwide. It wasn't just in America. And I knew that no matter how hard they worked out at a training in their sport, that my training would poop on their training and they couldn't last for a whole year. You know, people always say, oh, this and that about gymnastics. But I tell people all the time, I was like, no, you cannot judge the sport until you wake up every single day of the year, except for Sunday. At seven in the morning, train for three hours, take a break, go to school, do your classes, then go training again, then go home, do your homework, go to bed and do it all over again for a year straight. I know that most people cannot last what gymnasts do because it's way hard. Like at OU, we would be one of the first teams in the morning at 6 a.m. training. And when we were getting done, you know, softball would come in, golf would come in, baseball would come in. Some of the other football players would come in and they would sit and watch what we did in the weight room. And it's not just weights. Mm -hmm. It's handstand, planche presses. It's legless are even hard for people. So they were, they just machines. And so ever since you know, high school, I just had this mindset as no one will truly understand what I'm going through or what I'm doing unless they're a gymnast. Yeah. Or unless they get to that weight room. Yeah. And actually see what you're doing. So for me, that, that never really gave me a problem because I knew that I was doing what I loved and Mm -hmm. you're going to have haters all the time. I mean, that's just life. I mean, look at social media now. It's crazy if you go on there. So I always try and tell people, don't let, you know, sticks and stones might break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Use those words as encouragement, but don't use them in a negative way. Yeah, perfectly said. All right, you ready for some videos? Yeah, let's do it. This show is brought to you by Creatively Disruptive, the marketing team behind your team. And if you are a club owner or a gymnastics industry professional, I encourage you to join their group, the Gymnastics Business and Marketing Group. There's so much free advice straight from the pros, and you'll meet an entire community of like-minded professionals. So check out the Gymnastics Business and Marketing Group on Facebook, and check out Creatively Disruptive at creativelydisruptive.com. All right, you ready for some videos? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do it. You're doing great. Thank you. No, I really enjoy uh, talking. Uh, I actually have my own... (laughs) I heard about that. Why don't actually you want to tell us a little about that while I get these videos ready? Yeah. So the I mean the podcast, it's really, you know, my agents and I were talking about things and they're just saying, what are you passionate that you could add on to your schedules that wouldn't feel like a burden? And I was like, Well, I really enjoy talking. You know, I've gone to some high schools now, I've gone to some charity events, I've gone to some cancer drives and spoke about, you know about the journey and not giving up. And I was like, man, I I really want to start this. And I want to share what I experienced and my knowledge of this sport out to the public. And so we're like, let's just do a podcast. And, you know, a month later, my agents came up with this really cool intro video and kind of picture for it. And I was like, well, you know, you got to start somewhere. So for me, it's not really about the followers or, or trying to, you know, put my, input on things to hurt people it's more just like i'm just trying to be me and show who i am and share what i feel like at these experiences and what my mindset is in the sport 
the Yule Mold Hour show, right? Yes, ma'am. I mean, I I see all these NBA and football and baseball players doing this, and I'm like, you know what? If you look at when TikTok came out, a lot of gymnasts got a lot of followers. So people have to think our sport is cool. So I mm-hmm. think the more to show who we are as a person, yeah. people are more drawn to the sport. There's a full circle from our intro. Look at that. All right. We're going to start with a year that you probably remember very fondly, a year mm-hmm. called 2017, oh, which was snap. pretty awesome for you. Yeah. I knew it was a big year, but then in my research, I was like, damn, that, you, that was like, you did everything. Okay. Ooh, that's American Cup, isn't it? Of all. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the two and a half. And actually at the time, I used to be really scared on, on vault all the time. I remember when I first learned two and a half, I almost like hurt my knee on it. So ever since then, I was like, oh man, this is like a scary vault. So every time I run down the vault ring, I'm just like praying, get a good block, get a good block, get a good block. Well, it's weird that you say you're scared because I look at this, I'm like, this is the least scary two and a half I can imagine. I mean, you're like, I'm going to go up here for a second. All right now, here's clearly my twist. And now I'm going to come down and land. Yeah. I mean, vault is so quick. Um, you literally run, see the vault, you hit the board, and then you land. Like, that's literally what vault feels like to me. So for me, it's just like so quick that you can't really think. You just have to like go. Yeah. So 2017 American Cup. Mm-hmm. Turned out pretty well for you. Yeah, that was, that was a crazy one. Like, You're kind was- of the American Cup guy. Yeah, no, I, I wish American Cup comes back because it really is such a fun competition. You really do feel the uh, American support because it is a home international meet. So I, I just like think about what the Olympics could be in LA, and that kind of makes me want to go to LA. Like, keep training oh, yeah. for it. Hold out, hold out. <laughs> I know that you're extremely respectful of other athletes, so I'm not meaning this in a negative way, but like, does it feel kind of cool to beat Oleg? Oh, I like, I was in shock. So <laughs> the first American Cup I went to, I was like, man, Oleg's here. Uh, you know, this great Japanese guy is here. You know, all these other gymnasts that I saw at the Olympic Games competing all around. I'm like, well, you know, this is, you know, our home meet. I'm just going to go out there and show off who I am as a gymnast. And I'm, I kid you not after floor, I was like, okay, that's a good floor set after horse. I was like, okay, thank gosh we hit horse because horse is like a big event you want to hit on. And then rings kind of roll around and then vault went by. And then I remember before P bars, I was like, man, like this is really close actually. Like I better turn up. And I remember like throughout the whole meet until P bars, I was like, just get through your team, show off who you are. And then by P-bars and high bars, I was like, oh man, like you might have a shot to like win. Like let's go head to head with Oleg. So just to come out with that, I mean, I mean, I, I remember I was shaking my head. I was in shock, but I was like, what the heck just happened? Like for me, that was just a shock because me and Akash were talking like, dude, we're going to look like, you know, rookies against these guys. Let's just go out there and have fun, you know? Our best gymnast at the time, Sam Kulik, was hurt. So we're like, all right, well, we better just represent well. And right. after landing high bar, you know, I didn't think I won because my week, my weakest event is high bar. But I just was so happy that I went out there and hit six for six. And Akash went out there and did well, too. So for us, when the score came up, I was just like, what the heck happened? Like, this, this is crazy. I, it's always so crazy to me to hear from athletes who, for us, were like, well, yeah, yeah. The quality of your gymnastics is is that great and was that great. And it's just funny to hear, like, you know, you go there and you're like, I don't belong here. I can't believe these. I'm around these people. But it's like, you're around these people because you're where you're supposed to be. Well, and it's so funny you. when you hear you guys like, you know, couldn't believe I beat him. But from the outside, you get thousands, hundreds of thousands of people just like, that wasn't that shocking. You're pretty awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, I mean, it was it was really fun. I I really do enjoy the American Cups. It is a really fun meet. All right, so we're going to continue on your seventeen Bam Fest, and where well, are we now? We're at U.S. Championships. Yeah, floor. Yeah, floor. For me, I really enjoy competing floor. It's like when you get to a meet, you have 
this like extra boost of endurance and energy that like it doesn't even feel like a routine but when you're training a floor set it is like the worst thing in the world like when you go to floor it's like you're dreading it because you know like you're probably going to be sitting down after the floor set for two minutes trying to catch your breath but at a meet it feels like nothing like it's just you go out there and you just tumble and go big and have fun and you know for me every time i go on floor I try not to like say, oh, I need to stick all my passes. I try and think about something that like makes me happy, like working on cars or DJing or hanging out with my friends. And then when I see the green light, I just like, I go and salute. So speaking of sticking, like that was what I was going to say. If you're saying you're going on all this adrenaline and this and that, that obviously changes, I would think, timing a little bit, right? Do you stick like oh, this yeah. in practice? Like what? How do you um, do this? For me, when I do my floor sets in the gym, I always try and bring that intent of if I was at a meet. Yeah. Because uh, then you can practice like competing and trying to stick while, you know, practicing. So for me, I, I do try and stick and practice. And I know my coaches are really big on sticking and making sure every time you put your hand up, you know, act like you're at a meet. So for me, I think this is just practice coming off and, and paying off. So I noticed, I mean, we all notice this in your gymnastics. And then also I was at some one championships and it was the men's and I just kept on, who is this team that just can't not stick? And then I realized it was Oklahoma. So whether it's at 5280 or Oklahoma, like what specifically besides having the intent and putting the intensity in there to treat it like a meet, what technically and physically are you guys doing to make this happen? I mean, we do basic tumbling every single day. I mean, it's it's jumping off the high bar and sticking. It's doing front tuck, front tuck stick, front half stick, front layout stick, front full stick, uh, back double full stick. So we always try and just practice every single kind of situational landing that you have. And, you know, every every time I leave an event in practice, I always do one dismount to a stick, then leave. So I always put the pressure on myself. Like I'm not leaving this event until I stick a dismount. And then Wednesday, I play a lot of stick games too. And okay. I think sticking, I mean, every gymnast and coach knows this, but sticking is like the cherry on top. You want to stick. And so our gym and OU, they really emphasize sticking that landing. And that's what the crowd recognizes. They could know nothing else about gymnastics, but they yeah. know a stuck landing. And then again, goes right back to you putting on a show. Give them what they want. Exactly. You know, the more you can do things that people recognize, you know, the more they'll want to watch you. Yep. All right. So here we are. And literally we, because I was right over there <laughs> at World Championships in 2017. And this is all around final. A lot of different circumstances going on here, but you were... You were in it, man. And I just want to tell you from where I was sitting, every handstand was hitting this routine. Just throwing that out there if it helps. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I mean, high okay. bar. It's one of those events where I'm like, okay, I know I'm not going to get a good score, but like, just, just get through it. So for me, you know, I knew that this was going to be a low scoring score for me, but all I really was focusing on was my Kovacs. Like that's all I really wanted to catch. And I, as soon as I caught the Kovacs, I knew I could, get to the rest of the routine but man competing at worlds on high bar is a different feeling it is like you kind of black out a little bit like you don't know what's going on and then you kind of land and you're like oh thank gosh i made through it <laughs> yeah i've noticed like people say that they're either hyper focused like it's almost in slow motion or it's a blur and they don't even realize what they just did and yeah. another stick yeah no i mean high bar that's kind of me it's kind of just a blur and then I kind of landed. I'm like, okay, thank gosh, uh, next event. So talk to me about what was going on around this time during this trip besides this specific routine. Well, let's see. It was an individual Worlds. And Don Don made floor with me. Marvin. Marvin didn't make anything, unfortunately. Um, and neither did Sam. And so it was really just me, Don Don, and Alex Nador who had event finals. And I had the all-around finals. And I don't know. It was just such a fun trip outside of gymnastics because that was like my first 
major, it was my first major senior competition. Kind of a big one for your first one. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, but just to really interact and build a friendship with those senior guys, you know, Don, Don, Eddie, Sam, Nador, Marvin. Well, Marvin and I were friends before that, but those bigger guys, it was just so fun for me because they shared so much advice with me throughout their worlds and their Olympic games and what to expect when coming to worlds and what you're going to be feeling. So, you know, I am really grateful that I had them on the trip because they, they really set, you know, the path of what I needed to expect and what I need to think about in order to do well in this kind of competition. And so for me, it was just really nice that I got to build those relationships where if I had a question, you know, I, I could reach out to them or when you go to a camp, you know, it's just like, it's not, Hey, you, it's you, what's up, man. So it was just a really exciting time to really see those kind of athletes outside of the gymnastics world. So you were the mentee and now are the mentor. And I heard an interview that you did after you were just talking about the experienced world-class gymnasts than the way that they carried themselves. And that I'm paraphrasing completely, but you know, that that was inspiring to you. And now that was 2017. We just started 2023. Can you put yourself in that category now as those experienced world-class guys? I mean, I I hope so. I I mean, for me, it's, it's when I go out and compete with USA on my chest, it's not about me anymore. It's literally about everybody that lives in this country. I mean, I think about this. People see that you're from the United States and they watch how you act, how you train, how your manners are, you know, how you talk to other gymnasts, how you present yourself. And that's a bigger role to me than the gymnastics side because I want other countries to respect the United States. I want people and other gymnasts to be able to think that they can have a friendship with the U S athletes. I want everyone to know that the United States is a great country. And so for me, I kind of took on that professionalism as a job. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know what I look like cause I, I can't look at myself, but I really do represent our country, you know, proudly and respectfully because for me, I want people to realize that, we're not just headlines that other countries see on the news. We're actually good individuals. When you were in college, and I'm thinking back to like when my brother was in college playing on the hockey team, they had to wear suit and ties on the bus to the games. All of those that you're nodding your head. Is that something that you guys, is that still upheld? So with the national team, we don't really do that. But in college, you know, you dress up when you travel and you know, everyone has to be matching in the same outfit when you're training. Um, I mean, we do that on the national team with matching, but yeah, no, I mean, everything we do as a team, we want to look alike. We want to look representable. You know, everyone has to have a nice haircut, nothing too crazy, you know, shave or at least trim, trim your beard so it looks nice. So just things like that. So when people look at, you know, whatever you're representing, whether it's your college or your country, they look at you and they they say, wow, that's like a really good looking team. They're respectful. They're all polite. So it's just kind of general things that you want to represent your team as. All right. I have so many videos. I couldn't do them all because this would be obnoxiously long, but so many videos just in 2017 alone. And the one that we did not get to for this year specifically is Winter Cup. 2016 is, was my, my real first Winter Cup where I like, could actually have a chance to compete and make the senior national team. So like winter cup is a qualifier meet for the national team. And so is championships and they're like six months apart. So that's where they national team members. It's almost like us championships in a way. What do you think about the women now being a part of that? I love it. You know, I, I think that the more that we can do meets together with the women's and somehow create a format with the women's like, I think it will just grow our sport because at the end of the day, you know, gymnastics needs more followers. So it doesn't matter if we have women's or men's, why not just have them both? So you can combine both of the crowds, get double the people really, you know, instead of separating it, have it as like one team, one dream kind of feel. Right. I think if you look at the past Olympics, 
you know, in the relay races, they had mixed, you know, they had women's and guys, they had women's and and Paralympians. And it was a really cool concept. And yeah. more, they're starting to do these things, you know, Italy, France, Switzerland, Germany, they're all starting to do these meets where, you know, you have girls and guys on a team, they do two events, three events, and you combine the scores and that's how you win. And I think that is like a really cool format for the sport because now it's not separating, it's combining and seeing what you can do. And congratulations to you and Addison, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that was so fun. It looks super fun, but it also, I mean, geez, you seem to thrive off the pressure and enjoy it. So you're, you're in the right spot. But yeah, I just look at that and I'm like, oh my gosh, how quickly must you form a bond because you're competing for each other? Yeah, no, I, I love, you know, when you can build relationships with, with like that with people, because then you can be at the point where you're at a friendship and you guys can communicate and you can start to understand what they need and when do you need to cheer loud for them? When do you need to kind of like settle down your voice? So for me, it was just a great experience. I was there last year, but my partner got hurt. So I just got to watch. But this year I was like, let's turn up this year, Addison, like, let's do it. And I was trying to get her hyped and I was trying to get the other gymnasts hyped, but it is a really fun me. It's almost like worlds, mm-hmm. but not worlds. Like the pressure is there. Like you're going one at a time mm-hmm. and it is like, like at Worlds, you know how the events are all kind of lit and then the crowd's not? Here, it's like just one spotlight on you. So you like can't kind of see everyone, but you can like hear everyone. So you can almost hear people breathing and talking right next to you, but you can't really yeah. see them. You know, like you said, these mixed meets aren't really a common thing. So I want to like make sure Addison thinks I'm a good like partner to have. And I know yeah. she does, but it adds even more pressure to yourself. So I don't know what your previous knowledge or interest in the women's side of things, but having a WAG athlete as a partner for that competition, did that shed any light on women's gymnastics that maybe you hadn't seen before? Yeah, I'm just a huge fan of the sport of gymnastics, whether that's from club level to elite level to, you know, just even the basics of Excel. You know, I think... And this is me personally. This is why I try and go to as many meets as I can to show the support to the kids and to show the support of the women to make sure that there shouldn't be separation between our sport. It should all unite us, whether you're a rhythmic gymnast, trampoline, acrobat. You know, we're all under the same discipline. We all work super hard in the gym. You know, we all make sacrifices in our lives. I think it would actually be wonderful if we could all come together and build even more relationships and build a networking and it can help you in life. You know, when all the guys and women are done with the sport, you know, then they'll have a connection to maybe a job career or helping an organization or a foundation or something like that. So for me, I'm all about togetherness. All right. Here we go. We're moving forward in time to yet. Another American Cup that went really well for you. Oh, this is the next year. Yep. And this time you also beat out someone who was way up there, probably in your mind and uh, everyone else's. But again, not a surprise that you could do it. How did that feel? Yeah, I know. I'm the worst. I'm sorry. But the good news is you can come right back here on Tuesday and catch part two of what makes Yule Moldauer think. In the meantime, if you want to reach out to me directly, you can shoot me an email at youthinkpod at gmail. You can also follow me on Twitter at youthinkpod or on Facebook and Instagram at Nicole Langevin Consultant. See you next week.